Some of you know, uh, Lisa and I um, purchased kind of this old rundown property over on Lake uh, Ponderosa this summer. Actually, we've had a, a place over there for like the last 20, 25 years, but for one reason or another, we would buy it, fix it up, and then sell it, and then we realized we miss it, and uh, we would try to look for another place that we could uh, buy and fix up, kind of make our own, and that happened again for us this summer. And uh, anyway, this summer, we've, as we've been cleaning the place up, I came upon a tree. Now, I, like I said, I've, we've had a place out there for the last 20, 25 years, so I'm pretty familiar with the area. Uh, but we came upon a, a tree that was on this property that has me stumped, and I, I still can't figure it out. Um, when, I, when I first saw it, it looked like it had leaves kind of like a hickory tree, uh, but they were about half the size of a hickory tree leaf. And, but then when I looked at the bark, the bark looked nothing like hickory bark. You know what hickory bark looks like? It's kind of like shaggy, and it kind of peels off, or it can peel off if you, if you wanted to do that. So it made me think it's not a hickory tree. And, but then when the nuts started to fall, um, they, the nuts looked like hickory nuts, except for they're only about half the size of a hickory nut, about the size of an acorn. So I was flummoxed. <laughs> so I went to, where's Trevor at? I went to the Google machine, Trevor, to see if I could figure out what was going on, but apparently all the evidence that I had wasn't enough because it wasn't giving me the right answer either. So then, you know what I did, Megan? I went to my friend Tom, Tom Hughes of Hughes Nurseries, because that's his job, right? He should know. If anybody should know what this tree is, it should be Tom Hughes because he is a tree guy. So I actually took pictures of the nuts that had fallen, of the leaves, close up on the bark. You see, I'm pretty anal about this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Sent it to Tom, and I said, Tom, what do you think? And he wasn't sure either. And I still don't know for sure. He thinks it might be some variety of hickory, but he doesn't know for sure either. Now, why would I tell you that story today? Well, I tell you that story today as an illustration of the fact that there are a lot of things in our lives um, that we struggle identifying until we get enough or the right kind of evidence. Even being a Christian. Did you know that? You see, there's pe people got all kinds of ideas of what evidence is necessary to identify somebody as a Christian. Some people might say, for example, that if you were born in America, you are a Christian. Have you ever heard that? Everybody I know is a Christian. I don't know everybody. That's right. Uh, or they might say, you know, if, what religion are you? I'm a Christian. Whatever, you know. Now, most, a lot of people, I don't know if most, but a lot of people are more sophisticated than that, and they think that being a Christian means you believe. Now, here's the deal. The, even though there may be a nugget of truth in both of those statements, the fact of the matter is neither one of them is enough evidence to identify someone as a Christian. So the question then becomes, well, if, if, not, if that's not enough evidence to identify someone as a Christian, what is enough? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk today in the uh, couple of scriptures that the girls read for us. We're going we're to begin to delve into these scriptures to see what evidence is required to identify someone as a Christian. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to uh, James chapter 2. That's the first one we're going to look at today. 
And as I try to do every week, I'm going to give you a little bit of background so that uh, we're kind of aware of what's going on. James, uh, you may have already figured this out, that the author of the book of James was who? Oh, you guys are awesome. Good job. <laughs> the author of the book of James was James. The question, who's James, right? Now, the Bible tells us about a whole bunch of different James. By the way, did you know that there were two of Jesus' original disciples were named James? Neither one of them was the author of this book, however. The author of the book of James was actually Jesus' brother, or his half-brother, as the case may be, right? Uh, in fact, it was that fact that, that the author of the book of James was Jesus' half-brother is really the only reason why this book is in the Bible today. Because uh, there's some things in the book of James that made people back in the day, maybe today too, I don't know, but back in the day when they were putting the Bible together, made them uncomfortable. Um, for example, James chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, James teaches this. He says, you do well to say that there is but one God. But did you know that even the demons believe that and tremble? Therefore, faith without works is dead. Now, you might be asking, well, what is it about that particular passage that made people uncomfortable? Well, ironically, today is uh, Labor Day weekend, right? It, it's the whole uh, faith and works thing that made people very, very uncomfortable. You know what uh, works righteousness is? Works righteousness is the belief or the, the theology or the understanding about God that it is the things that we do that make us righteous in the eyes of God. So it's our good works that make us acceptable or righteous in the eyes of God. And that theology is anti-Christian. We know that the only thing that can make a human being right in the eyes of God or acceptable in the eyes of God is faith in Jesus. So in other words, it's not about what we do that makes us righteous in the eyes of God. It's about what Jesus did and our faith in what Jesus did that makes us uh, righteous in the eyes of God. So, but here's the deal. Even though this, this verse 20 kind of sounds like works righteousness when he said faith without works is dead, that's not what uh, James was talking about at all. But if that's not what he was talking about, what was he talking about? Well, in order to answer that question, you have to look a little more deeply at verse 19. And what did verse 19 say again? He says to these folks that are listening, which is you, he says, um, you do well to say that there is but one God, but even the demons believe that and tremble. In other words, what he was saying was, the first and most essential step of being to identify you as a Christian is to believe. That's good. But believing is not enough. Now, does that surprise you? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Have you, ever, have you kind of operated under the assumption that to be a Christian means you, you believe in God? But here James is telling us, no, that's not enough. Because even demons believe and tremble. And as far as I'm, I think it's probably safe to say that demons aren't Christians. So, if believing isn't enough, what is enough? What else do we need? Well, he goes, that's where verse 20 comes in, right? He says, if you are a Christian, you will believe, but then your life will reflect what you believe. In other words, you will not only talk the talk, but you will 
walk the walk, right? You will not just say that you believe, uh, but, that you, but you will produce the fruit of belief, or in this case, the nuts of belief. You see where I'm getting back to my original? There, that was good. <laughs> so, here we have James telling us that to identify someone, if you were trying to figure out whether someone is a Christian, two things we know we need from James chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. First thing we know, we need belief. And second, we know we need to a reflection of that belief. We need good works. Now that's enough, right? Is it? Did you, hear, did you pay attention to the scripture that Hope read? Because you should have. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. This is what Jesus says. I'm going to paraphrase, but if you go ahead and open up your Bibles, you'll see it. Um, but paraphrasing, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, Jesus said this, There will be many who will call me Lord and say things like, um, I prophesied in your name. I prophesied. Uh, I, uh, I cast out demons. Remember, we just heard about demons in James chapter 2. I, I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in your name. And I've done mighty and miraculous things in your name. And Jesus said, I will say to them, depart from me. For I never knew you. Does that freak you out just a little bit? Does me. Because what it, it says to me is that, first of all, apparently these people believe because they called him Lord. And they were, they were producing fruit, prophecy and, and casting out demons and, and doing miraculous things in the name of, of, of Jesus. But apparently that wasn't enough. So what is enough then? Well, he tells us right there in verse 23, doesn't he? What does he say? He says, depart from me. Different Bibles say it different ways, but basically he said, get away from me because I never knew you. So what's the other thing the, the, uh, that, needs, that we need in order to identify us as Christians? It's called relationship. In other words, belief is essential. Good works, non-negotiable. But the biggest deal is you need to have a relationship with Jesus. Without relationship with Jesus, does that scare you a little bit? You see, I have this sense that maybe it does, or it should, because many of you have lived your lives under this assumption. If I just check off the right religious boxes, then I'm covered. As long as I believe, as long as I try to uh, do good things once in a while and come to church every now and then, I'm good. And now you're throwing in this, this whole relationship thing? I'm not even sure I know what that looks, what that is. I've been to Sunday school my whole life. 
I got, I got those attendance pins. I, what, what, what is that? Where do, what does it look like? Where do we start? Because now you got me wondering. Well, if you're wondering, relax a little bit, okay? Because the hardest part of relationship has already been taken care of. Because why? Because it takes two people to be in relationship, Right? And the one you don't have any control over has already determined that he wants to be in relationship with you. Jesus has already made the statement. He has not only uh, talked the talk, but he has walked the walk. He wants you to know he wants to be in relationship with you. Really, the only thing that's left to be determined is whether or not you want to be in relationship with him. Now, don't get me wrong. Relationship is is not easy. It's hard work. Any relationship with anybody is hard work. But relationship with God is hard work too. It requires uh, uh, an investment of energy and, and time and commitment. And even once you've invested those things in relationship, uh, there's still going to be ups and downs and misunderstandings, even with God. It'll be hard sometimes. But I'm telling you, this is one relationship that is worth the the investment of time and energy and commitment. And the only thing that is left to be determined, again, what I said before, is is not whether he wants to be in relationship with you, but whether you want to be in relationship with him. And it just begins by you saying yes to the invitation. This isn't rocket science. It's yes to the invitation. So, if you... If you're uncomfortable, if you're not sure about this relationship thing that we've just been talking about, and you want to make sure that you're sure, I invite you this morning to say a prayer with me. You don't have to say the same words, or you don't have to say it out loud, though you can if you want, if that helps. But if you want to be sure about this relationship that Jesus is offering to you, that that you're in one, I invite you to pray with me. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thanks for the invitation. I'm assuming you know that I messed up. I'm not perfect. In fact, I'm a sinner. And that being the case, I ask you to forgive me. I confess it to you. I confess my sin. And I ask you to forgive me. 
And I want to take you up on your offer of relationship. I'm saying yes. I'm not exactly sure what all that entails. I'm not exactly sure everything I'm supposed to do or what it's supposed to look like. But I'm in. I'm saying yes to you, Jesus. To the love that you're offering. And I'll just trust that all the rest of it will fall into place as I fall in love with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.